0: People like...
1: People like games. That's fucking outstanding. What's up, what's up? And welcome back to episode 48 of... People like games. I'm Solo. And I'm Lilo. And you are tuned in to the... Best damn podcast in the gaming industry, trademark, trademark, trademark. Pew, 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 pew. And as a little uh, new thing we're doing, we're going to cut Lilo's rambling short and sort of jump right into things with. Hey, That's right. A little bit of the plug walk, and the plug walk is. Uh, a little bit uh, self-evident in what it means, and so you can find this show that you are listening to right now over on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, a Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud—literally everywhere podcasts can be found. Minus everywhere. title, which will be corrected. Be sure to subscribe be sure to leave five stars nothing less and a little bit of a a comment a little bit of note of love Mm -hmm. uh you know aside from that talk to us and uh speaking of talking to us uh a few of the social channels that we happen to partake in peruse in a bit you could say uh on Twitter, at People Like Games is the handle. If you want to chat with Lilo, at Lilo PLG. say what's Hit up. Hit me up. Let's banter. Let's chat a little bit, and uh, you know. Now introducing a little uh, something called the R backslash People Like Games. A little subreddit that we're going to be uh, expanding on a little bit more later in the show. And so uh, now with that out of the way, I'm going to kick it over to Leo for...
0: The talk, baby. All right, the talk is the k- table of contents that we want to give you for the show. If you're new or old, you should know what's to be expected. But I'm going to give you a quick rundown anyway. So starting off, we're going to be doing our quick scope. And our quick scope is an overview of the industry... And the top gaming news this past week since our last episode. It could be news about games, news about the companies that own the games, or just news about the industry that you should know in general. And it's whatever we think are the highlights of this past week. Moving August on from 28th. There. Sorry, that is true. It is August 28th. And that's this week. Moving on from there, we'll be going into our rumor mill, where, naturally, we're discussing rumors that we heard in the gaming industry. There's a whole bunch of Easter eggs that all game designers and game creators and companies, publishers, like to uh, leave for the fans out there to get uh, hype going, and we like to remark on those. Um, So we'll be covering some of that. Follow that up with the game Spotlight that we will be doing, and this week we'll be covering a deck-building strategy game. And then we're going to wrap it all up with a thing, well, rather, we normally wrap it all up with a thing called The Final Lap, where we remark on certain topics and expand at length because we think it's worth talking about. However, this week, we're going into something different. We're just going to give you a highlight of what's to come on this show. So be sure to tune in for The Final Lap so you can get a view of our future. All right? So without further ado, let's just roll it straight into Quickscope.
1: And... uh... As you may notice, we are going to go without, uh, our sound cue for this week, uh, in light of, um, you know, a somber beginning to the show. Obviously, you don't even have to be a gaming fan to have heard what happened in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a EA Madden qualifying tournament and uh, a individual came in uh, with a gun and happened to shoot up the event and unfortunately two of the uh, competitors or you know, two well-known Madden players were lost. That's Taylor Robertson and Elijah Roberts, and you know, there's not much to say, you know, about this. We're not going to talk politicize it, we're not going to talk about anything other than, you know, we as a show and our fan base and community send our thoughts and prayers, you know, to all those affected to you know the Robertson and Roberts families and you know the nine other victims uh, that were wounded um, and you know hopefully they get back on their feet and healthy we're not going to name the shooter we're not going to uh, give them the time of day and we're just going to focus on you know our community coming together because you know games are meant to bring us together not tear us apart like this and you know you know we're going to take a little uh 30 seconds uh moment of silence here uh oh for for you know for everything that's happened and um And uh, so now we're going to uh, continue on with the show as if uh, all things were normal. Because we cannot allow fear to be the ruling factors in our lives. And uh, it's uh, resilience and uh, continuance that's necessary in these times. And love. And And lots of love.
0: For sure. And care for others. Yep. and And respect and all that. So... Need this to say: respect one another. We're here to listen to the show because we love games. We love the same things, and I hope when you're playing games, if it's competitive or not, you don't let the anger at losing take away from the enjoyment of playing itself. Yeah, and that's that's what happened in this situation. So
1: absolutely, and so uh, now uh, let's let's get, uh, let's get, get back, back into it. things here, and so Lilo... Let's uh, let's get started with the with the actual show here now.
0: Fair, fair. All right, moving on. Let's um, talk about some big news for anybody who has not been fortunate enough to have an Xbox, and who is is not fortunate enough to have an Xbox and cannot afford one because they're just too expensive outright. Guess what? Xbox and Microsoft has just released a real great deal for you. And uh, it comes in the name of Xbox All Access. So what is Xbox All Access and why do you care? Well, it's a finance plan, financing plan that you can utilize to pay for an Xbox One X or Xbox One S along with Game Pass, their service that allows you to download as many games as you want and play them in the cloud for $10 a month and Xbox Live, which allows you to access the multiplayer features and the online portions of their services For $60 a year, combine all that together into one payment plan, okay? So what Xbox is doing is they release two separate payment plans that allow you to pay for these services and the Xbox itself over time. And it's just like mobile services. If anyone has a cell phone, they understand the mobile service pay plan where you're paying over time to buy that actual cell phone. Well, you're paying over time, over 24 months, to buy the actual Xbox. So the two plans are an Xbox One X will retail at $35 per month, which is $840 over 24 months or two years. You get two 12-month Xbox Live subscriptions and games with gold, plus Game Pass, which retails for a total of $860. If you're going to pay for the gold monthly, which is you can pay for Xbox Live services per month, the total would end up being 980 so you're saving a very good chunk of change from that service. right? So you're saving about 140 bucks over the two-year span. Xbox One S is a little bit better of a plan because you're paying $22 a month for a total of $528 where the new Xbox One S will come with 12 months, sorry, two two subscriptions of 12 months of Xbox Live plus Game Pass. And if you were to pay for gold monthly, it would be 760 bucks, And so you're saving a little over $220, or $238 um, if you're using that service. Long story short, if you're a person who is not enjoyed the benefits of an xbox nor the online service this is a ridiculously great deal for a system that is still being worked especially xbox one x it's still getting updates that is the top of the line currently and will last you for the next two years or so or three years until the xbox i guess scarlet comes out yeah the new the new scarlet stuff so if you're a fan of the systems And if you're a fan of Microsoft, I think you should be happy. Uh, The funniest part about this whole thing is that it counts as a real finance plan, and it counts towards your credit. So if you pay on time and pay effectively and well, then your credit score could actually be improved because you paid a loan over time, and that's what this is. So good job. Good job, Microsoft. Gaming, improving credit score. That's what they're advertising, I'm pretty sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And that is... uh pretty awesome uh it's uh it's Dude, a bad a time sick deal. absolutely it's a sick deal. and it'll expand the number of gamers and it's something that i thought streaming technology would be able to do which would be bridge that gap between mm-hmm. people who wouldn't be able to afford or who had hardware that wasn't necessarily capable of running more high-end games and you know it's, i'm just happy to see it so you know, congrats to Microsoft, slowly winning me over. As I said before, L- literally in last week's episode, <laughs> where I said I really loved what Sadie and Adela is taking and, and how the whole uh, ethos of Microsoft has changed. And this is just another example. Really good mm-hmm. move. Very,
0: Making it accessible, man.
1: Absolutely. Very well. I mean, now it's Nintendo's turn because I'm tired of seeing every single game for the same price throughout its existence. And but that's neither here nor there. Now, on to a little bit of a a surprise reveal, and that was one of my most anticipated games. Cyberpunk 2077 saw a gameplay reveal, and it was dope as fuck. I was going to say hell, but it was sick. The world just felt real because it's a it's a particular aesthetic to do this sort of futuristic uh you know blade runner-esque world and to not create you know the right setup would have sort of drowned it right from the get-go but
0: it feels like you're in a movie that gameplay is 48 minutes long on youtube and it literally feels like you're in a movie the graphics feel like you're in a movie you're like holy shit that could be real life if you looked at it from, like, a weird angle and squinted your eyes a little bit. But the shit is insane. Insane. Dude, you got to it's see only going to get better. got to see some boobs. <laughs> There's some nudity boobs. in case you're watching it, by the yeah. way. So just watch out. Nudity and yeah. explicit language. But but it
1: looks amazing. I mean, CD Projekt just is going to be. Oh, man, we got to get them on the show. We got to talk to them. They have an incredible story.
0: I hear you. Like, they're busy, man. These guys are busy. I want them to work on their games. I want them them to work on their games. It's sort of
1: what they do and what, like, Insomniac does. Those are, like, two companies that I'd be like, I want to just meet people who work there and talk to you and be like, how are you so good at this? And why right? are you so good at this? And how do you manage to execute it? They would it?
0: say, like in their books, it's all about love and attention to detail. and That's, that's going to be
1: our interview series. How are you so good at this?
0: Hey, love and attention to detail. And you're like, oh, God. It's the same no, thing over and over. Be specific. Bullshit.
1: Yeah, right? But uh, that's uh, about it. The game looks beautiful. I highly suggest checking it out. Mm-hmm. The uh, videos are everywhere. It's going to be dope. D- hopefully it comes out on a proper timeline and not in like 2077
0: hot pun i like it um all right let's move on from there into some other business news which is interesting i know you're hearing it from me instead of from solo but we uh we thought we'd like to change things up on you this week around because it's actually something we mentioned before gamestop we think pulled some bad moves by dropping their Gamer Pass deal and essentially took away all these perks, and we're just like, well, this is gonna be shitty, right? Guess what? The market reflected that. That's so interesting, right? So, uh, what's funny to note is that GameStop's shares have fallen approximately 10% this past Monday to $14.91 per share, according to Bloomberg reports. Um, GameStop recently received a boost of investments from a billionaire hedge fund called the Bridgewater Associates. But the company is sort of in a bit of a turmoil because they just lost their recent CEO. And um, he was only there for three months. So you can imagine having a big boss in charge, right, trying to create a vision. And he leaves after three months. It kind of throws the company in disarray. You have no... No one leading the charge, really. This guy named Shane Kim, who is the former Xbox boss. You might have heard of him if you follow the industry. He has been named CEO in the interim. But this is the fourth handover of power since November 2017. So within a year, or rather a little over a year, there's been four CEOs. Insane to imagine. GameStop Thanks. is just... They're falling. They're falling from grace, uh, I just think. And fully reflective
1: of why they're failing. uh, I mean, we talked about this. I think this was back a couple of months ago when they tried creating a rental program with their pre-owned games, which I thought was a really great idea until it thoroughly failed. But, you know, having that many CEOs, not maintaining a vision, people, it's just a mess over there. It's Mm -hmm. something we already know. And it's, you know, when... In the future, we're going to do, as we've said, the segment of the PLG Game Store and what we think would be required to create a viable model, because it's always easy to see and criticize a failing business, but it's a bit more difficult to be like, what would be solutions? What would you do? Great exactly.
0: We have to acknowledge in the beginning we'll be Pat, sorry, intellectual property rights for every episode. That way, if anyone steals your idea, guess what? It was our idea first. Yeah, so you're going to have to
1: come we'll to consult- We're going to hit you up like, with Drake, like Drake with the fucking invoice <laughs> for marketing Consultant fees. Fee. Consulting fees, it. baby. But uh, yeah, whatever. GameStop, it's been real. It's been nice knowing you, but. As is uh, uh, things uh, that have happened before when Solo predicts, Solo is usually pretty accurate. I'm going <laughs> to hit myself bullshit. with the on fire That's because bullshit. without further ado, we're going to jump into <laughs> so our next story. Bullshit. And oh, that is... Uh, the Overwatch League uh, Overwatch League, excuse me uh, Jesus, Overwatch. doesn't even know what he's I'm talking just so about e- it. I'm I just predicted so excited about being right I being correct again, <laughs> as usual I had to jump uh, in but uh-huh. that's uh, Overwatch uh, and Heroes of Storm have removed paid loot boxes and chests from their games in Belgium because as we've covered on the show uh in a little segment called Solo Toots His Own Horn, which I'm so happy that was in its own segment and just had its own definitive place in me being right because next story, I'm also right. So shame on me, really, for not having a sound cue to continually do this. But regardless, they had to comply with the Belgian uh, Gaming Commission's declaration that loot boxes were illegal uh, in their country because of the ability to transfer it and that it basically violated gambling regulations to see that you know valve was the first one to do it with counter-strike and now having them do it not to mention our uh, next little article which ties into it because it's also in belgium and there's no reason for me to introduce it as its own story and that is that nba 2k has also disabled premium currency card packs from their games in Belgium for the same damn reason. Because like I had said for quite a long time, the failure of the ESA and the ESRB to create a self-regulation mechanism for loot boxes and gambling in gaming was going to come back to bite them. And by giving... The game publishers only six weeks, I believe, was the timeline to come mm-hmm. up with corrections. I thought that was a, a good middle finger. And I also said, Europe is not America. Europe will come down on them. And they did it with Google. They did it with right. Facebook. They are very strict. They The biggest sort of alteration in data privacy rights was through a EU measure, not through a U.S. measure. And so... Seeing this, I would not be surprised if we saw this again happen in a few other countries and then inevitably find its way to the EU, in which case, unless they create a better revenue model, they are liable to have this entire business model banned in certain parts of the world. So hopefully that happens. I am not going to go as far as to say that will happen, I'm sure by the time that it hits up the chain enough to be discussed over the continent it's going to end up as altered versions of what we are familiar with but just like uh, battlefront just like battlefront and again the only thing that we can take from this is that the only way to fix this is to you know be responsible with your purchasing just don't pay into a system that you find unfair and then soon enough they'll be required to change it but
0: it's on the consumers man It's on the consumers, but we're also uh, we're dumb. Yeah, we're dumb. It is what it is.
1: They'll keep it'll keep happening. But shout out to uh, shout out to the Belgians laying (laughs) down laying down them waffles,
0: laying down them hard waffles, (laughs) (laughs) pancakes, (laughs) Beatrice. Not pancakes, waffles, but I like it. Um, All right, moving on to a decision that is not dumb and that I think is very smart. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Dota 2 International and where it's going to be taking place in 2019. Now, we spoke about uh, Dota 2, I did rather, at length, last week in episode 47, and I spoke about how the International, which is their tournament hosted every year, featuring the top 18 teams in the Dota League, play for a large, large sum of money, and essentially spoke about how they got that money. Go back to episode 47 if you want to know how. Um, uh, This week, Dota revealed that they are going to be moving the location of the International to Shanghai. They're going over to China. They're going over the Pacific and will be hosting their next tournament over there in a move that I think is very, very smart, especially when you consider the fact that six of the top 18 teams that are featured in the tournament, aka there are only 18 teams in the tournament, but... Six of them, or a third of them, are Chinese. So they've got a huge burgeoning market. You can imagine they just have so many more people over there. And we, you know, we talk about Tencent all the time. We talk about just the mobile market and just Hold the on. huge no, presence we of talk, games. We, we talk about... Did someone say Tencent? Coin, coin, coin. <laughs> coin, coin. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. that money. Bring get money get that money. Um, which uh, yeah. actually... Sorry. I was going to say, Dota where, where, do where, where
1: was the recent Riot Championships held?
0: Uh, they were also in China. Word,
1: because yeah. China has a huge market for uh, this market in the games.
0: They're just—it's smart. It's a smart financial decision. It's a smart decision when a lot of your fans are in one area and they want to be able to celebrate. You know, so these sort of esports events—they bring people together. I think, especially you know, I think with the Overwatch finals in in New York at the Barclays Center, it was sold out. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in Shanghai, especially when the the vice mayor of Shanghai is, has gone out of his way to say, guess what, we're going to be doing everything we can to host this event and make it the best possible. It's like mini Olympics. It's just, it's just insane. So I think it's incredible. Unfortunately, I will not be making the flight over there because that's a long-ass motherfuck- motherfucking flight. And uh, yeah, Dota 2, if you're a fan book your tickets now because they're always cheaper when you buy ahead of time (laughs) good luck head over to China
1: China 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 it should be awesome I've never been I would like to one of us who hosts this show have been to China Mm -hmm. and so maybe both of us will end up there China someone there looking for a sponsor from the US in gaming Tencent yo hit us up Yo, hit us up, hit us up. We're gonna get a Tencent sponsorship just for the little I Tencent. want it so badly.
0: You got that money. You, you know you can sponsor. Give it us. to us for no reason. We'll yeah, just no reason. Just be like good, good PR. If anything, blow it up. Good PR, baby. I will censor you what you want. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's not true.
0: That is not true at all. Hey, so shout no, out take out to it back. Never take to it back because we're lying already.
1: <laughs> but um,
0: anyway, Speaking. whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Speaking of Google. Mm-hmm apparently it seems that they have spotted a little security vulnerability in the Epic uh, Fortnite Android installer. This, according to a really great write-up on Game of Sutra by Alyssa McAlloon, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, whatever the case is, she broke it down incredibly well, so I'm going to be poaching a little bit from what she wrote uh, to explain it, but Basically, they flagged a security vulnerability in the installer this mo- earlier this month and let Epic know. And basically what it came down to, if you are familiar with this sort of technical lingo, if not, you're about to learn. The uh, APK came with specific permission that opened it up to being easily hijacked by other applications, seeking to download download files to an android device without the owner's knowledge or permission it basically opens up android users to a man-in-the-disc attack where an app already installed on their phone keeps an eye on requests from other apps on this device and uses a flaw in apps like epic fortnite installer to smuggle own its own malicious files onto the device sort of like An ATM scammer where they put the machine over the machine because you think you're using the regular machine, which you are, but you're also giving your information to them as well. And so, regardless, uh, you know, it is funny um, because uh, you know, that's a pretty big flaw. And if you, uh, you know, actually, before I even finish up with my if you know and before I get into my own opinion, the uh, a little response came on behalf of uh, the CEO of Epic Games, and it was not a positive one. So the CEO, uh, I believe his name is Tim Sweeney, uh, was not happy, and he basically published, uh, criticized it, saying that it sort of feel like a cheap... Uh, They created an unnecessary risk for Android users in order to score cheap PR points. And the word, because if you really want to know, go back to episode 45. Because (laughs) someone, I am on fuego. Oh my God. I love me so much. Anyway. He responded. The word "punishment" is very appropriate here, but how does rapidly disclosing the technical details of, of a security flaw to hackers do anything to protect Android users? Basically, what it came down to was, and I had said this on the episode, which is why I'm tooting said horn. The fact that Google Google was going to try to figure out a way to basically. What, I, what exactly what the CEO is saying is punish them. And I had said that one of the ways they could do it is that they could sort of stall them by saying, hey, there's potential security vulnerabilities in your installer, therefore we're not going to be able to put it on the phones just yet. That was something that now is happening. The fact that they were sort of civil about it in terms of actually allowing it to get fixed, but then going behind them and publicizing it is not surprising to me whatsoever. Um, Google is not the do no evil, don't be evil Google of the 2000s. It's now corporate entity that does... Hey, they,
0: they still did the right thing on paper. They just released the information after seven days whereas Epic, Epic apparently was adhering to a standard where any security flaws get released after 90 days. So that's it's a big just, difference. It's just unnecessary it's
1: just that they, they would roll out the flaw. They would... They would Basically, release that information until Epic was able to confirm that, you know, a strong enough percentage of its users had downloaded the update to potentially block that issue.
0: Hey, that's legalese, and that's it right there. I, they both said they adhere to policies, and Epic's policy did not agree with Google's, which is why there it ends. Yeah, legal-
1: but in legalese, just- I feel like Google would be responsible for basically putting out a flare being like, hey, hey, we're vulnerable, get us, get us.
0: <laughs> oh, wait, oh, wait. You to quote, to quote a
1: political candidate, if there were any emails out there, the hackers could get them. But anyway, that's about uh, all we have because, um, you know, that, that little dance is going to occur because we had also said that it is a potential domino- that was going to happen where bigger companies or games were going to pull pull yep. their content. And now we're already seeing that. We're seeing the
0: repercussions of pulling out. Now yeah. we're wondering what, what's going to happen. What's uh, going to happen in the market? I think we'll, we'll,
1: we just need to be sure to keep supporting an independent market that doesn't take 30, 30 cents to the dollar of uh, something they, they don't particularly contribute to.
0: But anyway. Thanks, Apple. Ugh. Thanks, All Apple. Right. Let's, uh, let's stick on the topic with Epic Games and let's just get into something else regarding gaming that is actually very interesting and that a lot of fans have definitely wanted, myself included. Well, Fortnite, as you know, is on every single platform you could ever imagine. It's on mobile, it's on PC, it's on PS4, it's on Xbox, it's on Switch. Okay. Now, with that variability comes different inputs. And what, they, what I mean by that and what a lot of people are talking about is on PC, you normally play your inputs with a mouse and keyboard because it's just easier to do a first-person shooter and you have finer fidelity when aiming right on xbox ps4 switch you're probably going to be using a, a controller of some sort and then on mobile you're going to be using your hands well on certain differences certain different platforms other than pc you can use a mouse and keyboard as well which people have been saying leads to an unfair advantage fortnite is now going to implement input-based matchmaking. And that means that it will detect, your system will detect whether or not you're using a mouse and keyboard and pair you up with other people who are using mouse and keyboard, mainly PC players. Okay, so if you're on the Switch and you somehow hooked up a Bluetooth connector, which is possible, to your mouse and keyboard to utilize and try to get an advantage over people who have aim assist and it struggle to turn around, which has been myself, and use it to build super quickly and super rapidly that normal people can't do on the Switch you're going to be caught and paired up with PC players who have much more robust graphics and smoother frame rates and who are going to crush you. And it's because you're trying to take advantage of a system That shouldn't be taken advantage of. Same thing with mobile markets, same thing with stuff like that. It's the first game that I've heard of that's going to be using input-based matchmaking, which I think is very, very cool and very, very smart. But um, this is also just to to say it's always going to be overridden by you playing up, meaning if you're on Switch and you're matched up because you can cross-play, you're matched up with a person on PC, that person on Switch is automatically going to be playing with PC players anyway. So you play up regardless but now they're also introducing another characterization of inputs and whatever you're using genius i think this is a smart move i think solo's yeah. method of trying to be good at fortnite has it will now be taken away because you know he can't use his mouse and keyboard he's automatically playing i'd be
1: playing on switch to play the real noobs <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: oh man so um either way great, great addition to the game. It's going to make things even, and I think the next step in this iteration is they already do these competitive based, you know, Fortnite matches, and I just wonder if you can introduce ranking, like how good you are skill rating, because there are metrics, just like in every other game, that you can utilize to categorize your skill, and then you can play with people of the same skill levels, that when you beat those people of your same skill level, you move up, and you just play better people, so... I know someone I had to beat about that, we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah. See. Well, you know. Look, we'll, we'll,
1: we're gonna we're gonna see on that one. We're gonna see on that one. I have not played in a minute. Um, I do think it's a bit on the on the decline. You know, we're gonna get into the numbers a, a little bit more next week. Uh, but now to close things up, we got Riot back in the news, and I'm gonna hit you with the coin. But then I'm gonna stop the coin because this is a story about how apparently. Tencent and uh, Riot are withdrawing the coins instead of depositing them. So, uh, in a a sort of odd, I guess, set of actions, the Riot Games head of global esports, Derek Asidu, 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 who knows, but he responded to a Reddit thread that had raised concerns about the publisher's esports budget and You know, he he wrote, instead of making esports happen and be awesome, we also want to focus on making this a financially sustainable endeavor that can last for decades or more. And he also noted that it's a long way from breaking even, and they were attempting to cut costs in the short term, such as reducing travel expenses for the broadcast team and implementing strategies to increase revenue. This is sort of very, uh, you know, in line with what we had covered, I believe it was last week, which was that Riot... And Tencent had begun having issues with one another as Riot has seen a decline in its overall revenue. It mm-hmm. doesn't really mm-hmm. surprise me. Uh, the game has been on decline. I sort of feel like this current set of games we have are in a bit of a lull, and that are establishing esports are in a lull, and there's sort of a new lifeblood that could come in and sort of waiting infuse for the new it, thing. You know,
0: new thing coming in,
1: and so hopefully. That happens, but I, it—I I don't see—I don't see League of Legends reestablishing itself. I see it, something else taking its place. If we're going to be frankly honest, I see a slow and steady decline, and the way that put on events is part of the reason that it's such spectacles. And so, I f- feel like if you're going to cut that out, yeah. you may cut out, you know, a significant attraction as to what makes it. And a must-watch event, even for what it is, but...
0: Right, no, I, I hear you. I understand. I, I think you bring up a good point. That's a big part of what makes League, League, but I don't know. Like we said, like we mentioned last week, we, we did the pros and cons, really, and League, although is declining for itself, is still the largest, one of the largest games, you know, streamed and of watched course, and stuff like always that. So it's like,
1: always relative, but... It's well, just,
0: yeah, exactly. It needs it's a, to figure it's out a better its idea. Own
1: it needs to True. figure out a better idea for where it is. and so
0: VR, baby. Next gen. VR,
1: <laughs> baby. But uh, that's all we got for Quickscope. And uh, now we're going to roll into a little bit of... <laughs> rumor, rumor, and um, rumor. rumor, rumor. That's the first time we've hit that sound cue correctly in a minute. But I'm going to start off with... I don't know if it's a rumor or not, but it's not. And I just didn't put it in quickscope for no reason. But the game that we had uh, covered about two weeks back, Sorico Shadow died twice, is this incredible-looking samurai game that's set in 16th century Japan. And had built, and what I was had mentioned in a few weeks prior was in the Ghost of Tsushima during E3 was the, my want of these classical uh, sort of samurai games and sort of more ninja games in, in the mold of Tenchu and so color me surprised when I saw that Siriko had initially began as a sequel to Tenchu and init- then eventually evolved into something more complex and more of its own thing and so Let's just say I'm glad Ninja Games are coming back, and that has nothing. But the real rumor mill is really one article. <laughs> I was
0: going to say. I was like, where
1: the fuck are you going with this, bro? The real, the real one is here for Lilo to cover. And so, Lilo, why are the people listening to Rumor Mill right
0: now? Uh, they're listening to Rumor Mill because apparently the deal is one of the Microsoft games that is probably going to be a highlight of what you're doing on Game Pass. Oh. Never mind. I lied. I lied Backtrack. Hey, guess what? That's a fake out, baby. Fake out. I faked you out uh, The real, real rumor mill is that we think there is going to be new Lifeblood injected into Switch sales, and I say that because rumor has it There are going to be more switch bundles coming your way this Christmas does anyone know What's being sold this Christmas for switch that could be a console seller anyone anyone? Guess what? It's uh, Smash, Smash coming out. So apparently there may or may not be new Smash bundles coming out with the consoles. And specifically people, you know, you've already seen stuff about the GameCube Game Pass. Well, not GameCube, Game Pass, uh, GameCube controller that's being sold with the Switch and whatnot to promote, rather to sell off high. ah, I don't even know how to say what I'm saying. GameCube controllers for hardcore fans. There we go. That's what I meant to say. Guess what? You might be getting a pro controller as well that is dubbed Super Smash Ultimate. Whatever the case is, be on the lookout because none of it's confirmed. All we have are pixelated, stupid Twitter tweets, but it is a cool idea. And I think because there's a couple other game bundles that people really like, namely uh, Breath of the Wild game bundle for Switch and uh, Splatoon game bundle for a Switch, Super Smash game bundle for the Switch could be coming out and you could get that with a pro controller as well on the side so maybe maybe not be on the lookout
1: yeah and uh i had also wanted to uh mention that uh it looks sort of great i feel like gamecube controllers are forever and you know they are they're comfortable too they need to create more versions of these especially for the switch and the only thing I really wanted to note was, please, God, have headphone jacks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll see. We'll see about that. That's it.
1: That's it. That's it. That's it. But uh, that's all we have for the rumor mill. And uh, now we're going to give the uh, floor over to Lilo for
0: the game spotlight. Alright, this week uh, I actually did something pretty random and pretty cool, I thought. So, if you're a member of Steam and you have friends on Steam, I'm not saying if you don't, it's, it's okay, it's perfectly fine, but I have a few. And you can do friends recommendations on Steam where it shows the most played games in like a certain time span for the past couple of months and whatnot. And this game was high up on the list and it's called Slay the Spire. So, essentially, my friends recommended it to me by playing it often and I did not speak to them about it individually but it's just pretty sweet when I looked into more more about the game I realized that this is something epic and we could love it like I, I think a lot of people who enjoy these types of games will love it so what is Slay the Spire Slay the Spire is a deck building strategy game that um, you build a deck as you go and you fight through dungeon crawlers and uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> as we go up um, you get to Model your deck, but the difference is there's like very specific gameplay details and game mechanisms going on that make this a unique type of game. So who made it? megacrit games were the ones who released this and it was in early access late last year and continues on to early access this year with an expected release of 2018 and a release on switch 2019 what is it well it's a fusion of deck building and roguelike genre that forces you to build as you go to complete each dungeon what is roguelike i actually had to look this up myself i've played games like this i just didn't know there's a term for it what is roguelike Seriously, it's a it's called a, it's a whole subgenre that I've never specifically heard of, but I've played. Roguelike is a subgenre of role-playing games that is characterized by a specific dungeon crawl through procedurally generated levels, turn-based gameplay, tile-based graphics, and permanent death of the player character. Meaning, it's a one-and-done type game, and that's very unique. So if you ever play D and D and stuff like that or whatever, it, it gives me that feel and that vibe. of actually watching a couple of gameplay videos, but. Let me get into the game details so you know what the fuck I'm talking about. You start with a small deck and you get to choose one of three characters that they have right now in early access, okay? Each character has their own attributes and you build a deck but the deck is basic. You're gonna have attack cards, five attack cards, four block cards, and one, I think, a tribute card that you start with, and that's ten cards total. Every monster you defeat on the, on the pathway up through the dungeon <laughs> gives you the option of, like, it gives you some items at the end, but it also gives you a choice of one of three cards for the decks, okay? So, the problem is that as you build your deck, you're going to have to use every card in your deck throughout the game, meaning, um, like, you're going to draw and discard some stuff, but... This is the type of game where you're going to draw five cards at a time, use as many as you can in a turn That, based off of, I guess, a number of turn points that you have per turn. And uh, if you don't use all those cards, they just get discarded, and you get drawn five new cards. So if you pick a card after you beat a level one monster or the first monster that has no utility for you now, it's essentially dead weight. It holds up an empty spot in your hand throughout the... Rested the game unless you could utilize it in a synergy with another uh, another card. So what's interesting is that unlike Hearthstone and other card games you may or may not have played, where you can draw cards and discard them, hold some cards in your hand and build up sort of a deck and a strategy that you want, you have to discard a whole hand. So there's no real planning for the future. Enemies allow or rather give you negative cards too so enemies will give you cards that are just dead weight in your hand that automatically go in your deck and you can't do anything about it you have to play with them. So if I'm pulling five cards every time and three of them are enemy blank cards or if in this case wound cards, I can't do any actions with them. that's unfortunate, but it's a part of the game So each card is going to have a significance that you pick in the game. And it's more about deck composition than anything else. The total bestiary has over 50 unique combat encounters, which means there's are 50 unique, you know, players or rather 50 unique uh, enemies. Currently, there's 100 plus items that can be found because you can use relics that can boost your status, their status effects and all that stuff. So all these, there's an interplay that you'd expect in a random RPG. Uh, every level is procedurally generated, so it's relatively random. And there's 200 plus fully implemented cards to date, with many more projected for the future. So as you're playing, every monster you see tells you what move they're going to do the next turn so you can plan out your current turn. If you see that the monster is going to give you a status effect, you can hurt them and not block. If you see a monster is going to attack with a lot of excuse me damage you can use your turn to block the damage by playing block cards if you have them if you see yada yada yada, you get the point so you can see the ripple effect of the gameplay as you go down if you get a status effect inflicted on you this one turn next turn you're gonna know you're gonna have to block because you're more susceptible to damage that kind of situation so it gives you all that um what's Actually, really interesting about this game is that I didn't realize as soon as you start, you get to pick your own path. So the map will be generated for you, and there's like a whole bunch of random paths that all link up and cross. But you can see what you'd encounter on any given path that you take. So as you go through, if I choose the path with a monster right away, I'm gonna fight that monster first, and then it's followed by a question mark, and then it's followed by an X, and then it's followed by something else. Well, you can choose one of multiple paths. So, one path might start out with a monster, while the other one starts out with a question mark, and the other one might start out with an X. However, these all essentially link up at the end with unique monsters, and they all give you a unique experience. Um, I just think as I'm watching this gameplay, there's a real strategy that comes in for the long term, and. Every monster, every 50-plus unique battle encounter, rather, will give you a different monster that causes you to enforce a different strategy, but your deck is built over the course of the dungeon, which usually take about an hour to complete, so you have to be cognizant about creating a deck that can be tailored to unique situations. Every gameplay is going to be different. Every strategy is going to be different, and this is a company... Um, mega crit games that, that has been dedicated to trying to combine a specific niche two niches rally, rather into one and they did that effectively deck building and roguelike genre together in one it has overwhelmingly positive reviews over 16,000 positive reviews on Steam and the huge player base they, they just love it everyone loves it so if you want to check it out on Steam Early access is selling for 16 bucks. They've already sold over a million games. So if you think about 16 dollars and a million games, that's a lot of ch- good chunk of change. Good for them. And you can expect the release this year, followed by a release on the Switch next year. As we know, Switch is doing a whole bunch of indie releases, so it's coming up. Either way, spoken at length about it. Just check out the gameplay. There's actually really cool tutorials. I watched a whole 30 minute video of a guy playing level one and teaching, essentially talking through everyone's uh, going through the game his name is norther lion northern lion i'm sorry northern lion and if you want to you can check out his tutorial videos either way i'm a fan solo doesn't like that strategy so he's not part of that life but uh i found this and it's pretty dope pretty dope yeah any thoughts man
1: uh not much to add. Not particularly my genre other than Yu-Gi-Oh! That's where I build my decks. That's where I smoke <laughs> the fools. All right. blue um, eyes,
0: white dragon. Got it.
1: Otherwise, not much. And, uh... As Lilo said, check out the game. Uh, and, uh... Go on yeah. Steam. Go on Steam. Show some support. We'll link to them, hit, uh... You know, when we put up the episode on Twitter. Always with their, uh... Twitter handle, etc. so... Check it out. Check it out. And, uh, without anything left to talk about we move towards
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the final lap we're gonna hit the sound cue anyway because why not really and so it was a bit of a, a light episode in terms of content uh, if only because you know Lilo ha- has just moved uh, so you know Last
0: time for research. Sorry about that. Round of applause. Round
1: of applause. Uh, over to, to the Lilo Meister and Mrs. Lilo to for getting the new crib, and yep, yep. you know, I myself always have shit to be doing, so you know, shit happens. But, uh, I've also been uh, doing some shit. Uh, about the show, and, uh, we have a few announcements here to make, Lilo is staring at me like he doesn't know what they are, because he doesn't, because these are sort of organized off the top of my head, and so, anyway, (laughs) as we had mentioned, like everything else, off the top, off the top, because I'm always over their tops, Hey, but, um... As we mentioned at the top of the hour, the r backslash people like games, which is going to be the subreddit that we're launching. It's going to have three posts up when you take a look. The first will be just a little introductory post just as to, you know, our reason for making it and what we, you know, sort of hope for. The second one will be uh, just our namesake interview series and the questions that we have currently at the moment established ask guest and uh open it up to the floor if someone's got a better question than us that you know seems really perfect we'll add it to the show and we'll be giving credit duly because we do not bite um and anyway we want you to be part of the show exactly fan interaction baby interaction baby and then a third one um I'll get into uh, a little later. First, we're, we'll we'll start out with those two, and then my second announcement is that we are creeping up on a half century and episodes here at the PLG, and oh, yeah. uh, that is going to be the launch of our namesake interview series. It might be named something different, but at the moment.
0: Namesake, I, namesake interview
1: series sounds good maybe the title of the series show the title of the series interviews uh, the title people like so, games Yeah. <laughs> um, but literally just call it the title uh, but that'll be our first one it'll be pretty cool the audio will be well and uh, so that'll take a bit so that's, that's in about two weeks uh, if that's not self evident from the fact this is episode 48 okay. um, then a more near term future uh, announcement for next week, Willow is going to be somewhere that is not in front of his microphone on business Tuesday. Trips, business trips, business trips, business trips, trips. Ping rat, ping rat, ping rat. <laughs> and <laughs> he is, uh, pretty much not going to be with us, uh, for the usual schedule day, but instead we're going to, uh, you know, have me do quick scope, on the usual day just so we can keep up to date but Lilo will be joining us anyway for his usual game spotlight and final lap segments and maybe and the rumor melt maybe we'll figure something else out maybe we might even introduce something a little bit lazier for the week while we focus on the 50th episode so we'll give you guys like a throwaway yep, yep, cut yep. but anyway that's that for next week and lastly uh, coming up in September we have a few content announcements for one. so For the third week of September, the specific date being the uh, 19th of September, we are going to be introducing two new segments. That's Lilo's Laboratory and the Deep Dive. That name is subject to change, but Lilo's Laboratory will focus on the science of gaming, maybe physics, maybe something different. I don't know. It's whatever... Whatever he finds curious, uh, the first episode shall be taking a look at ray tracing uh, in light of NVIDIA. And so he'll explain all of that and more for those segments. And for myself, I'll be taking a look at data mining in the deep dive because it's become a pretty popular form of finding out what's to come in games and i'm just curious about it and so we'll be use, utilizing the subreddit a little bit with that as well which was the third post i was going to mention uh to put mm-hmm. it out to the floor if you're a data miner if you know anyone if you're familiar with the processes etc we want to hear from you because you know it'd be great for you know be a great place to get proper research done and so then we could you know give a good actually present it in an informed manner because I don't like to half-ass the uh, informed shit and lastly for Sept- the week of September 26 the last episode of September we shall be re-running the PLG Book Club with yep, yep, yep. book number two give them the title and then take it home for us Lulo
0: yeah so we're going to be covering console wars, all right? And this game takes over, um, rather not takes over, but discusses the history of Sega and Nintendo in an age where video games were popping and starting and arcades were booming. So it's written extremely well, and it is a very, very fun read. It is actually probably the funnest read of a nonfiction book that I've ever, ever read because they take characters and they follow them, a.k.a. not characters. They take real-life people and follow them as if they were... Characters in a story, and you get to see them change over time. And you're wondering what's going on, but that's, that, it's just uh, it's a very well written nonfiction history of the things that we love, and that's video games. So, also uh, a random, random part, but like it's narrated. I forgot, it's got the foreword by Seth Rogen, and someone else, his buddy, his go to. Uh, I forgot who it was, but it's just funny to see the back and forth between. Um, these other individuals that you know through movies and stuff like that, remark about games, so that's pretty cool, too. Um, either way, you'll be checking out our responses and our review of Console Wars, and, yeah, with that, you've gotten the highlights. we got a lot of stuff coming up for you. We've been working on this for a while now, and it's been essentially months in the works, so I hope you're happy about what you heard, and I hope you tune in these next couple weeks. Soul and I are eagerly awaiting... To hear your opinions and also really just present the content that we love so much. So, be on the lookout for the interviews. Be on the lookout for the deep dives and the laboratories, the science, physics. Be on the lookout for um, just, just subreddit. Everything, like, everything be on the do.
1: be on the look for a new look. Hey, that will that's become self evident. That's also very applicable.
0: Yeah, that's very applicable. So, and on be on the lookout uh, for a new look.
1: Yeah, it's the new way. to come at ya. All right, that's a perfect way to end it. We will.
0: Yep. It's uh, been without further ado, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch up with you next week, all right? Peace. Later.